This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, welcome back in. Uh, glad to have you with us on this Father's Day Eve, as one of our listeners put it. Uh, Father's Day tomorrow. If you're looking for a last-minute gift, uh, we've been throwing out some ideas. If you have one to give to someone, an idea that is, uh, share it with us at 870-870. We're also taking phone calls at 504-260-6368. We're also talking about a number of other topics. Uh, we just mentioned the Flyway Federation USA, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, a lot of interest in this. We set records on listenership uh, the morning that we had that on first, and we plan to have them back on again and if you need any information, go to their web page or their Facebook page. I will announce those dates in July. They're starting to have town hall meetings all across the state. And I'm actually seeing the, the, the genesis of maybe a, a, the late, a new waterfowl conservation organization. A lot of people are disappointed with the, uh, the traditional organizations, feeling that they're not taking enough concern on, on this particular issue. And I certainly wish they would. Uh, you know, whether they're right or they're wrong or who's right or who's wrong, I think uh, a commitment to get a, a truthful answer, to get to the bottom of it and get to the truth, uh, is certainly what duck hunters deserve. People who have spent a lot of years giving up their time, their money, uh, you know, their loyalty to these organizations to get them rolling, uh, I think they deserve it back. Anyway, uh, we'll keep you up to date on the latest happenings there. Uh, some other things I wanted to mention, uh, I got this information in a while back, and it's always good to mention at this time of year. You know, we have uh, a lot of wildlife uh, or, or fawning and, and like rabbits are, are, are giving birth to the young ones or the deer. And so what happens occasionally, you'll find orphaned, uh, you actually believe it's orphaned wildlife, and feeling sorry for it, people will bring them home and uh, try to nurse them and, and save them. Well, that, in most cases, that's the worst thing you can do, uh, particularly with uh, deer fawns. Uh, deer fawns, uh, they're born without a scent. And the reason that they are is to avoid being taken by predators like coyotes and other animals that feed by scent. And the, the does, they will leave those fawns alone, usually in a high grass area, just to hide. The mother of the doe will go out and forage, and uh, that reduces attracting predators near the fawn because they can smell the doe but not the fawn. And you're most likely to encounter these little fawns. I mean, they are cute little puppies, I'll tell you that. They're just gorgeous. Uh, they're tiny like a little small dog and got the spots on them. And you usually see them between the months of April through September. And right now is prime time when you find these little uh, fawns and people think they're orphaned. Uh, really, you should just, best thing to do is just leave it alone. If you think it is injured or that the mother is not there, if you find it like maybe the mother was hit by a vehicle and you find a fawn, uh, the thing you do is you, you mark down and note the location and notify the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Uh, they have regional offices all across the state. They've got a 24-hour number. 
Uh, it's primarily for enforcement cases, but it can also be used for other purposes. And it's right on the back of your hunting or fishing license. It's 800-442-2511. And the best thing to do, as they say, is to leave it. Now, they do have some uh, rehabilitation program, too, for injured animals. A lot of times they'll get hawks and owls and uh, birds of prey that have come in injured and other wildlife, too. And uh, they know how to handle them. They've got some licensed wildlife rehabilitators. You can actually find out more on the website about that program if you're interested in participating in that. Actually, a lot of people volunteer to become wildlife rehabilitators, and they have classes and and, and, uh, get people signed up for that. So you might want to check that out if you're interested in it. But please, if you find uh, a fawn, the best thing to do, leave it. Chances of you raising it, uh, you've got to remember these are wild animals. These are not kitty cats, puppy dogs that love human companionship. It's very strange to them, and they're very difficult uh, to feed and to to survive. They're much better off on their own. All right, last weekend, uh, two weekends ago, if you were tuned in, uh, I was doing a broadcast at a really nice event. It was the St. Bernard Parish Seafood Market. It was at the Delacroix Fishing Pier. We were actually on the water, and the concept was for fishermen, crabbers, shrimpers, and actually some of the people in St. Bernard who have uh, unique, uh, some of that uh, cuisine down there, uh, the Islenos origin were down there, and they had booths set up. Um, one of the people that stopped by to chat with us was uh, Christian and Colleen Orfanello of CETO. And the reason I asked them to stop by was because CETO sponsored that Parish Cup Redfish Championship that was held last week down there. And it was very well attended and participated in. I guess so. They offered $10,000 for the winning team, the number one team. And, of course, these redfish tournaments, if you're not familiar with them, the way they work, uh, two-person teams go out, and you come back in with the two largest slot size redfish, a slot size being over 16, under 27. And the two heaviest win prize money. And these have become very popular. There's a lot of circuits. Uh, there was a circuit down there that was sponsored by Tito's, and it was a good, well-run circuit. They raised a lot of money. The beneficiary was Wish to Fish, and you've heard Danica Williams on this program many, many times talking about her Wish to Fish program and you know the funds, what they use for that to get kids fishing that have never been and their parents can't provide it for them, and they give them equipment. It's just a wonderful program. And uh, when Tito's uh, decided not to continue the tournament circuit, she was kind of left in a, in, a, in a jam without any funds coming in. So uh, Cito stepped up and said, we'll sponsor it, and they did. And, and you've got to see them. We call them the, the St. Bernard Lombardi Trophies. These are beautiful, gorgeous trophies. And if you go on the website, you, you can see this. It's been all over Facebook. But the results came in uh, in there was a husband and wife team that won it. In fact, I'll give you some rundown on some of the results. Uh, the top six teams, and look how close these weights were. This is how these redfish tournaments go. When you're bringing in two fish, and they're all slot size, uh, the trick is you got to find the fat ones, <laughs> you know, the ones that are well-fed, and, and get that advantage on that weight. And here it is. Um, the team of Lane and Wortham, 14.66 pounds. That was a sixth place. Fifth place, 14.84. That's how close. That was from B. Coleman and L. Sanchez. Fourth place was 14.9. Now, you know the difference between 14.9 and 14.84? Yeah, 
it's less than a tenth of a pound. And they win third, fourth place. Third place was C. Kennedy and S. Hooter, 14.93. Three one-hundredths of a pound is what separated third and fourth place. Uh, then you had 15.42. That was caught by Jay Galt and Luke Landry, and that was second place money. And the first place team was a husband and wife team, Sean and April Rubes. And their total weight was 15.62 pounds and here was their comments uh april said y'all by far have the best around tournament i had the best time at the captain's meeting just uh, being around my family fishing and having a great time is what it's all about a class a tournament great job to the Cito staff i'm so glad team Cito pulled out a win in the first tournament great job to all the anglers who competed love y'all can't wait till the next one and, of course, winning $10,000 was certainly uh, welcome, too. And uh, uh, when I heard about that, I said, well, you know, normally when you get a team and they win, they got to split the money. Here it stays in the household. Or the wife gets it all, one of the other two. I'm not sure which. $10,000, congratulations to April and Sean Rubes on their redfish catch. All right, I uh, got a couple of emails that came in. I got some more text messages. We're going to be back to cover that. Also, something that's coming up that... Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, Jim Cox and Chris Miller uh, with the Blue Marlin Grand Championship, July 9th through 14th. Boy, this is at the Wharf at Orange Beach. You talk about a big money, huge event that is great for both participants and spectators, and we're going to be giving you all the details on that. All that's coming up right after this time out. Also take calls, 504-260-6368. Text messages, 870-870. Tell us about your dad, Hunter, fisherman. Uh, Tell me what's going on with uh, Father's Day around your place. What's the best gift you ever got? What's the best gift you've ever given? And what are your plans? You're fishing with dad, cooking for dad. And what was his favorite fish and game dish? We'll be right back. You're listening to More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2 Radio. And we also have the text message board at 870-870 if you care to send us a text. And I'm getting some text messages in. Uh, you know, I brought up the uh, the old thermos with the glass liners in them. You know, <laughs> if there was ever a worse idea. I guess back in the day they, they didn't have the, the insulated materials that they've got now. And they came up with a, a glass liner that fit into a plastic thermos. And you you know, poured in the stuff hot, and it kept it hot for a while. But the problem was uh, if that liner broke, uh, you had a a whole thing full of glass. And there was no – I think some of them later on came with like a plastic inside liner that the glass fit in. So if the glass did break, it wouldn't mix in with the the product. But the earlier ones did. And I can look at them. They had a red top cap with the cup, and it was like uh, dark brown with some kind of red – uh, design stripes ran up and down on the side of it. And, uh, you know, Ted Williams was the big Sears guy. He put his signature and his check mark. If it had a Ted Williams, it was top of the line. They had Ted Williams boats. We had Ted Williams shotguns. Uh, I got a Ted Williams crow call I still have from that far back. Uh, he was the baseball player that was a sportsman, and uh, he kind of endorsed a lot of Sears' uh, high-end products. They always had good, better, best at Sears. All right, anyway, uh, this listener says that uh, he gave his dad a glass liner. It was a brown one uh, outside. It was brown outside. He had it for years. 
He took it to work every day with his coffee in it. Well, he must have taken good care of it because those things were very fragile. One good drop or wrap, and boom, that thing would uh, break. And you had to take them out and wash them, as I remember, too. All right, here's one that says, Good morning, Don. This is TK with the Fisher Party, Cajun Invasion, July 27th. Yeah, that's our Alaska trip. It's getting close. Um, Yeah, you'll be in Alaska. We'll be doing our 30th anniversary show that Saturday, and I'll be leaving that Wednesday and getting up there on Wednesday. He says, speaking of hats for Father's Day, I made these custom hats for special events. The Hunter Orange also has lights, great for hunting, and I just used mine to read after last week's storm in Dallas and three-day power outage. See you soon. Uh, When he says, I use these or I made these, um, unfortunately on this text, uh, if he would have sent a picture with it, which he probably did, uh, we can't take pictures or videos. They don't come through this text, just strictly the, the text message itself. So if you want to send me a photograph and or a video, uh, you're welcome to do that. best way to do that is go to my website, DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com, and then look for the where it says more on, or it says contact next to more on Don. Hit that contact button, and you can attach anything you'd like, uh, which is a good time to point out if you are going to bring in uh uh, if you've got a fishing rodeo or a tournament or a fundraising nonprofit event that you want to get on our outdoor calendar items mentioned, uh, that's a good place to send me flyers. A lot of people will send me that. It's usually got all the information on it. And while you're there, we got other stuff. we got recipes, podcasts of the programs. You can watch Bayou Wild TV. You can watch the Fish and Game Reports. i uh, got, I don't know, several hundred recipes for different fish and game items, uh, some hunting and fishing articles that I've written over the years, Uh, and the way to listen to this program, which a lot of you are probably doing. All right, back to that text board. This one says, Don, the best knife I just got for myself was a forged-in-fire kitchen knife. You go to buyforgedinfire.com, and there's a dash between forged and in fire. Uh, $39.95, super sharp knife. That's a gift idea, forged-in-fire kitchen knife. And here's one that says, why is Dan Gill's show not on radio? Okay, Dan Gill is uh, uh, the plant doctor. He does a uh, garden show. Uh, done it for years. Uh, and it came on at this time on our sister station, WWL 870 AM and 105.3 FM. And from what I understand, it was moved later on Saturday mornings. I believe it comes on now instead of 7 to 9, from 9 to 11. So you might want to check that out. Maybe go on WWL's website if you're missing Dan, because I know a lot of you want to get your planting and tree pruning and vegetable growing uh, information from Dan. Uh, Dan's a, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's been with the department, uh, uh, I guess that's the uh, LSU Ag Center he works for. Been doing it for a long, long time, has a lot of knowledge and knows all about that stuff. Anyway, if you're missing him, you can catch him a little bit later on. All right, um, I got this in, too. <laughs> oh, I've been trying to get Brett Weibel of the Bad River Bucks and Birds uh, loca- uh, Guided Hunt Lodge up in uh, South Dakota to come on and talk about the Cajun invasion for a couple of weeks now. And last time I was up there, which was uh, December, uh, his wife, his new wife, was, was pregnant, and they were expecting a baby. 
Well, the baby decided he was going to be a little bit late, so we've been putting it off because he's been standing by waiting for the, the moment. And I just got an email in from him a few minutes ago, and he said it fi- he finally came a few a few hours ago. Or let's see, what time was it? Maybe he put the time on here. Let's see. After 50 hours in the delivery room, whew, 50 hours in labor. Oh, imagine that. That's anguish for the dad, too, but not a whole lot more for mom. Anyway, last night, uh, Brett's baby was born, and uh, congratulations, and I replied to him just in time for Father's Day. So really good news, and hopefully we'll get Brett to come on next week and, and talk more about the prospects for what the pheasant season looks like. You know, pheasants are, are like a lot of other species, uh, depending on what the habitat conditions are during the nesting season. That dictates what type of season you're going to have. They had a very good season last year. They had some rough seasons prior years, uh, some droughts that had impacted it, and they didn't have enough moisture. But that changed. And last year we had some great pheasant hunts, had a great bunch of people went up there on our Cajun invasion, and most of them had never hunted pheasants before. But believe me, it's not complicated, and they – they kind of take care of getting you in front of the birds. All you have to do is be able to be a good, pretty good shot. But I have the dates for the Cajun invasion, and all of this information is listed on my webpage. If you want to check it out, and just go right to the homepage, look in the center, and you'll see Cajun invasion hunt to Bad River. It's called Bad River Bucks and Birds. They do a lot of deer hunting up there. You might even want to get you a trophy deer. And if you need uh, to get one of those missing grand slam turkeys uh they they have the miriam turkeys up there too and sooner or later that's on my bucket list i need to get up there and get a miriam turkey but i just haven't been able to excuse me work that out yet but our date periods uh this is a a four night three day hunt and we go from november 11th to the 15th or you can go from the 15th to the 19th now he told me the 11th to the 15th was pretty booked up 15th and 19th, he's got more room, so depending on how many people you want to bring, they're limited on how many people. They've only got 20 spots for each of these periods, so uh, and then they're both partially filled, so you need to act on this if you want to go. Uh, now is the time to make plans for your hunting trips. I mean, it's June, it's summer, it's not on a lot of people's mind, but believe it or not, it'll be here before you know it. And what this includes is three days of hunting. You stay four nights, and it includes pheasant hunting with them, the price this year is sixteen ninety five. That's a four hundred dollar discount per person off the regular cost. That's if you're a listener to the show and you go doing the Cajun invasion. They're on a hundred year old family owned ranch and I'm talking about some of the rugged badlands of South Dakota. Uh if you like isolation, this place is for you. Now, that's not to say it's primitive. It's got all the comforts of home. If you look on the, the when you click on my Cajun invasion hunt you're going to see a picture of the lodge. It's a two-story building, uh, beautiful, got lounge room, pool table, full bar, dining room. Uh, all the rooms are heat and air condition controlled. They've got a, a, a big cleaning shed for the birds. They've got kennels for dogs. We bring dogs up there when we go. You can fly into Pierre. You get picked up and brought back to the airport if you want to fly. Uh, from Louisiana, it's a good two-day drive. You're going to spend two days on the road traveling if you drive. We drive because we bring dogs, and dogs and airlines, hunting dogs especially, don't work out that well. 
but uh, it's it's a great deal. Now, here's the way these hunts work. Um, these hunts are, are, are group hunts. Now, sometimes you'll be with a big group. Sometimes you might be with a small group. But the way that the hunts are laid out, they'll get a field of cover. And I'm talking about this could be maybe a mile area, mile square. And you would put in what they call blockers. Now, they will drop the blockers off at the end of the field. And basically what you do is you block the birds from getting past you. Then on the opposite end, they'll have the walkers and the dogs. Now, these are usually uh, Kyle and and Logan, and they've got a couple other guys. Brett is another one. Uh, they will drive, they'll walk the, the field with the dogs, and usually they'll use labs. We use German shorthairs, you know, pointers, retrievers are good. And they also have what you call flankers. And, and that's what I like the best is I get on the edge of the field. On both sides, you got flankers. And you walk with the walkers, but you're ahead of them. So as birds flush out of the sides, uh, the flankers get shots. If the birds double back and try to come over the, the back and get out, then the walkers and the drivers will get those. If the birds do what most of them do, and they will run, and they'll continue to stay in that cover as long as they're cover. They finally run out of real estate when they've got the walkers behind them, the flankers on the side of them, and then the blockers in front of them. Well, they got nowhere else to go. And the last few minutes of that hunt is the most exciting. And one of the things you really, you've got to be able to identify uh, a rooster pheasant from a hen pheasant. You can't kill any Hen pheasants, under any circumstances, they're illegal. Uh, the rooster has got a much longer tail. Uh, generally, every time when they bust out of that cover, there's a cackle, and you get used to hearing that. They'll cackle where the hens don't. And, of course, they got the colors on them, the red, the green, the head, the right stripe around the neck. And, and they'll help you. When the bird comes out, if it's a rooster, everybody hollers, rooster. And that's when the shooting starts. If they holler hen, uh, you got to let it go. And it's a lot of fun. It's three birds per person per day on the pheasant. And there's also some uh, prairie chicken hunting you can do later in the afternoon. But typically your day starts off. You can get up with the time you want. Uh, you can't hunt pheasants till 10 o'clock in the morning. There's no early morning hunting. So you got plenty of time to leisurely get up. Uh, they serve breakfast. And then, I mean, everything's done. You don't have to leave this lodge once you get there. Uh, they've got what I call war wagons. They're actually buses. And they load all the hunters, the guns, the dogs, and everything, and they take these buses out to the fields. And you can drive anywhere you want up there. It's all hard, high ground. And sometimes there's snow, depending on when you go, and depending on the weather. I've been up there in knee-deep snow, and I've been up there when it was uh, 70 degrees. So it varies. But it's uh, you, you you load up and you go out there and you start these drives and they'll make three maybe four depending on how big an area they've got and how long it takes them to drive each one and you continue to hunt almost till uh, you know you go back and you eat lunch and you go back out for an afternoon hunt and then when you come in if you want to make a an evening prairie chicken hunt uh, that's kind of like uh, you set up along fence rows and those birds will will fly in. Uh, to roost for the night, and you're basically uh, pass shooting them coming over. And if you get lucky enough to be in a spot, you'll line up people along that fence, and 
you know, you shoot sitting in a comfortable chair, and you're kind of hidden behind some cover, and uh, you shoot, and then uh, you bus picks you up, and you back there, and they have drinks and hors d'oeuvres, and then there's a full dinner, and then you start all over again the next day. It's a lot of fun, really unique, beautiful habitat. Uh, we've made some side trips up there on the drive. Uh, we went to Ro- Mount Rushmore last year. We went to Yellowstone Park. All of that uh, could be on your way. It's a great trip, but check it all out. And if you want to come, we'd love to have you up there joining us on our Cajun Invasion Pheasant Hunt. Uh, Alaska trip coming up soon. Uh, end of uh, You heard one of them, uh, TK. He's going with that first group. He'll be leaving on July 27th. And we'll be leaving on uh, July 31st, and then uh, there'll be another group that, that comes in on that following Saturday. So it's two weeks on, on and two trips on each one of these. And if you want more information, you're going to find it right there on my website, DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com. All right, when we come back, I'm going to preview for you, if you haven't seen this week's Bayou Wild TV show, what that's all about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You'll listen to more outdoors. I'm Don Dubuque. Good Saturday morning on this Father's Day Eve from WWL 105.3 FM HD2 Radio. All right, welcome back in. Uh, got a lot of things here. I'll see what I have to try to get as much of this in as I can. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, fishing rodeo. We got them on our calendar, just all kind of fishing rodeos. But 4th of July weekend, if you've never been to the Golden Meadow Fouchon Tarpon Rodeo, uh, you owe it to yourself. they got the fishing, food booths. They have a cook-off, live music. They've got an auction. It goes on from a golf tournament opening on Wednesday to fishing on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Lots of activities down there at the Grand Isle location. They they award the King of the Catch trophy for the cook-off, and they got some great food and music and lots of stuff going on. I think this year the Funky Monkeys is the name of the band that will be playing there. Anyway, we're going to be talking next week uh, to uh, Eddie Kale, who is uh, one of the organizers and the directors for the rodeo. We'll get a lot of information on it. We're also going to talk to Jim Cox. Uh, Jim is kind of a spokesperson for the WARF, the events that go on there at Orange Beach, Alabama. Uh, they've got a big, big tournament coming up, of the Grand Billfish Tournament, the Grand Marlin Trip. And we've got a lot of Louisiana teams that, that, that fish this event. And this is another one that begins on a Tuesday and it doesn't wrap up until the award ceremony on Sunday. It's almost a whole week long, and there's lots of excitement. And if you've never been to Orange Beach and the Wharf, what a gorgeous place. July 9th through the 14th, they call it Billfish Week. And they have just got all kind of kickoff parties and entertainment, and the way in there is just spectacular, and it's breathtaking when you watch some of these gigantic billfish, these blue marlin being brought into the weigh scales. Anyway, we're going to talk to uh, Chris uh, a lot more about that. And uh, Chris Miller is the director, and Jim Cox also, he'll be the MC. Um, recapping some of the fishing reports, if you're getting tuned in a little bit late and you want to get some information on, don't forget you can always listen to the podcast of the show on my website, DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com. Uh, just go right there where it says radio show times and archive shows, and you can have them play back. And, and if you don't want to get up early or you're busy out fishing and you don't want to miss anything, just Catch it on the rebound. Uh, some of the reports we got this morning, uh, they were catching a lot of nice speckled trout outside, out of Shell Beach, getting away from that river water, Lake Anastasia, the Long Rocks, Central. There was some good fish in there. Um, over by Lafitte, they were fishing under the birds. There were some birds and oyster reefs. Uh, redfish mostly, they were catching them on spoons and spinners. Uh, if you want the trout, you kind of had to go a little bit to the west. 
although be prepared to, to call down. Uh, Tofield said it was probably you had to catch four speckled trout to keep one of those 12-inch size fish, so you can encounter some small fish there. Uh, Daryl was caught in a, a storm on Grand Isle. It was pop up one of these summertime storms and was kind of kicking the, the beach up there. Uh, if you were able to get fish the front side, he recommends croaker, shrimp, pogies. You never know what you're going to need down there. Uh, backside, uh, there are some trout there, but much more uh, apt for catching some redfish. Offshore, they're reporting good grouper. Everybody's uh, just killing a snapper. All those rigs are covered up with red snapper. Uh, Martha Spencer, our co-host on Bayou Wild, and when I can get her out of the boat, come here on the radio on Saturday mornings. Uh, she co-hosts the radio show. They had a trip yesterday, and they had a young kid, 12 years old, caught a 25-pound snapper in 400 feet of water. Fight of his life, I'm sure. And congratulations to him. Uh, a few lemonfish showing up. Plenty of grouper out there too for you offshore fishermen. Uh, Mike Gallo, he's uh, you know kind of put the speckled trout on the. On the shelf for now, he's concentrating on sheephead, redfish, black drum. Uh, he said the I-10 and the railroad trestle bridge, those were the ones that were producing. Not much reports at all from the Highway 11 bridge. In fact, if you tuned in this Thursday uh, on our WBRZ Outdoors Report at 10 and our 6 o'clock WWL Report, the plan is for me and Dudley Vandenborn, Deadly Dudley, to go out and punch a train and show how good the fishing is without speckled trout. We'll be catching some other off-species and showing you how to do it and where we're catching them. And, um, you know, it's, it's what Mother Nature gives you. you got to take what Mother Nature gives you. When the speckled trout come back, we'll go after trout. But until then, it's going to be some of the other species. Uh, Brendan Bayard with the Paddler Report. Uh, one place I didn't get to talk to him about was that Hopedale Dam. I got some good reports that there's been a lot of white trout caught at that dam it's easy paddle for the kayakers. Uh, he said that some of the best action uh, continues down there around Grand Isle. Plenty of redfish on the inside, trout on the outside. Uh, Plaquemines Parish, if you go over the, the levee and Empire, uh, not a lot of trout, but plenty of redfish there. And that was the same kind of report we got from Ryan Lambert, although his guys surprisingly caught a lot of trout. Uh, Captain Todd, who has filled in on occasion for Ryan, uh, ended up with like, yeah, I think it was 69 or 70 speckled trout and a 15-limit of redfish. They did fantastic, and uh, they were fishing on that west side. They had a little north wind, probably pushed a lot of that river water out or allowed some salt water to get in there, and they did well on the speckled trout. Uh, out west, if you make a trip out to uh, Calcasieu or Big Lake, uh, Kirk Stansel said they were catching a lot of fish. They had a really good week. But there is a lot of fresh water in their area, not from a high river, but it was from a lot of rain. They had about eight inches of rain. Kind of brought them down a little bit during the week, but it's steadily improving. Uh, Preen Lake is one of the places where they're, they're catching some fish. And also down on that uh, south side of the lake, uh, Big Lake, they're catching some fish there too. So it's kind of your fishing reports. Um, I got uh, some other information I want to talk about on the uh, CBS program that aired. I did not see that, and I want to find out if anyone saw it, what their opinion might be. Uh, it was called Trophy Hunting, Killing, or Conservation. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about that. Also got some emails to cover. And the speckled trout. If you think Louisiana is the only one having problems with speckled trout because of the river water coming in, well, you're wrong. As other states are being affected, too. We'll talk about all of that stuff, and then we'll finally wrap it up right here 
on WWL 105.3 HD2, where you're listening to more outdoors. Good Father's Day Eve. And text messages are at 870-870. I got some emails in. Uh, someone want to know about a place to go dove hunting. Already got hunting on the mind. Yeah, that'll be the first season. Opens up uh, Labor Day weekend in Louisiana, Mississippi. A uh, place I can suggest, and I, I always put this out, if anyone knows of a place, a, a good, reputable place that produces some good dove hunts, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Let me know, and I'll make that available to our listeners. A place I've been going for several years, and a lot of our listeners have gone, is Crane Creek Hunting. That's uh, up in Mississippi around Poplarville. Uh, probably hour and a half from New Orleans Drive. Puts on a great barbecue. I'll tell you what, some of the best barbecue around. And that's around noon. And then everybody makes their way out into the fields. And you shoot until uh, till you're ready to go, till you get your limit. Or the time runs out, which is sunset on dove hunting. And it's a long day if uh, in, in that time of the year. And uh, the information, you can go to cranecreekhunting.com or uh, telephone number 601 Nine one six six eight seven three. That's Lance Ladner, and I'll be talking to Lance. And uh, one thing about his hunts: if he doesn't feel like you're going to get your money's worth, and he doesn't have enough doves, or weather comes through and screws things up, which is done in the past, he will call the hunt off and, and, and not take your money. He wants everyone to have a good hunt. He also has some great uh, quail. And pheasant hunts up there, too, if you're interested in hunting that with your dogs or you can use his dogs and his guides. It's Crane Creek Hunting. Uh, Also getting more reports on people catching flounder, and that is really good news. We kind of had a drought and a lot of concern about the health of the flounder, and uh, we have not seen a, a stock assessment, a recent one. It's not due yet for a while, but it's good news that we're starting to see more flounder showing up in the catches. Uh, Florida took some action, and they did. I'm not Florida. Alabama reduced uh, the take on both speckled trout. They reduced their speckled trout catch to six, and they've also reduced their flounder catch in an effort to uh, try to help preserve the species. Um, speckled trout. You know that preliminary report that Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries came out said that the speckled trout population for years and right now is overfished. And they said it's going to take some more time to get more data, to get a more accurate handle, and then come up with some remedies for that. And we put out on our opinion poll a survey asking what changes would you prefer to restore the population. And it is my hopes that when the department does come up with the number and they, they, they will offer options as to how to achieve that number, when I say the number, I'm talking about SPR, which is spawning potential ratio. That gives you a number of, of fish that are, uh, can be taken and still remain with a healthy population, and we have a low SPR. It needs to be brought up. How to get there is the question. Um, and rather than them just issuing a decree and saying, you know, Alabama didn't do that. They let their uh, sportsmen have their opinions heard, and they made a decision based on science and also the social implications. I'm hoping Louisiana will do that. Here's what the survey said. Uh, 75%, not 70, but 70% of our respondents said it would be okay to reduce it from 25 to 10 to 15. Um, I don't think that is going to be one of the choices. I think if they reduce the creel limit alone, it's going to have to go lower than that to achieve the SVR they want. Uh, increase the size. In other words, leave more of the smaller fish, 
Concentrate on the bigger fish, which means you're probably going to catch less. 17%. 4% want a slot limit like redfish. Uh, speckled trout and redfish, totally different. Uh, spawning procedures, uh, reproductive um, properties, and what works for redfish, and believe me, it has worked. It has done a job where you got 16 to 27, you can catch five redfish. One of those can be over the 27. None of them can be under the 16. Trout, I don't think that would work so well for trout. Uh, releasing the bigger trout, uh, they don't, they're not as hardy as a redfish. They don't survive the release uh, as, as speckled trout do. And uh, the reason that the 27 is, is cut off is because redfish don't reproduce until they're 27 until they become a bull red. Uh, speckled trout, unlike that, they're 12, 11 inches. they got eggs in them. They're reproducing. So I think different species need different management to duplicate what we did with redfish. I don't think will work. That's my personal opinion. Uh, 4% say open and closed seasons. Nobody wants a closed season where you just can't catch them. Uh, 4% said don't change anything. Leave it at 25 per person per day and a 12-inch minimum. Uh, nobody wants to limit the number of licenses that are sold, saltwater angler licenses, and nobody wants to go below 10 fish on the limit. And I'm afraid it may take that to get to the achieve SPR. Anyway, the jury's still out. Haven't heard anything from them since that initial report. Hopefully we will get it sooner than later. All right, um, what else we got? Oh, I got the... Uh, the part of the uh, CBS News Originals. Now, I have never seen that program, but it's supposedly it's a regular program. It's called CBS News Originals. They aired a segment recently called Trophy Hunting, Killing or Conservation, and they talked to a number of hunters and wildlife con conservancy managers who talked about the crucial role hunters in hunting money revenue plays in funding anti-poaching efforts, conserving the land, and managing the populations. Um, there was a wildlife guide in it in Zimbabwe. Uh, his name's Pete Thick, And he said that, uh, you know, killing some of the animals so the rest of them can live is an absolute necessity out here. Uh, the area that's about the size of Rhode Island is called the Bubai Conservancy. Uh, they manage hunting there and it provides funding to keep it open. Uh, the segment also discusses, and this is according to some of the reviews I've seen, that the biggest threat, and this is the truth, to wildlife currently is not big game hunting, contrary to what a lot of the non-hunting population believes, but it is habitat loss. If they do not have a place to live, they will not be there. If they do have a place to live and you take a certain number of them off, they're still going to propagate the species. Uh, they converted what was a cattle farm to a preserve. Uh, they stopped the human encroachment, and now it is teeming with wildlife. And several species that are listed there are vulnerable. And they credit CBS that when they confronted the truth that hunting dollars, not just there, but in many places across Africa and other parts of the world, are crucial to combating poaching. These people are starving uh, they go out there. They actually shoot the poachers. I've seen some uh, stories that have been done, some documentaries on how bad the poachers are. They, I mean, these people are killing and selling the food and, and to keep from starving. 
and every animal that is killed, uh, there's a big fee that's assigned to it for the permit that goes back to the habitat and the management and the anti-poaching task force. And without that, I mean, you know, they were asked if the, the rhino populations there would decline without the funding. And they said that they would be gone, 100% of them would be gone. Anyway, um, the Safari Club International said that they commended CBS News Originals. Normally when you see uh, what is called a mainstream media outlet do these type of features, it's normally hunters are bad guys. You know, they're, they're killing everything uh, indiscriminately. It's cruel, and they shouldn't shoot these animals. Well, this shows the other side of that, supposedly. Again, I haven't seen it. I'm going to look it up and, and try to watch it. If you've seen it, I'd like to hear from you and tell me what you thought about it. Again, it's called Trophy Hunting, Killing or Conservation, and it was aired on a program called CBS News Originals. All right, one of the things that you may have missed was the uh, Hunters for the Hungry. They've got a new director. We had her on earlier, Julie Grunewald, and she comes from the CCA, Coastal Conservation Association, background, so she knows her way around the fishing rodeos, the fishing organizations, and part of her plan to expand Hunters for the Hungry is to incorporate fishing fish donations. Uh, Hunters for the Hungry basically is an organization that collects excess wild game and fish and provides it to uh, food banks, like Second Harvest Food Bank, for distribution to uh, food centers and uh, shelters for the homeless and food banks. And they have a collection day scheduled for this, uh, September the 15th, and we're going to give you the locations of uh, where and when you can drop off your fish and game. For you deer hunters, keep this in mind when deer season opens. If you get real lucky and you get out there and you bag your uh, two or three deer right off the bat and you got your freezer stocked and you no longer need any, but uh, the managers, if you're into the DMAP program, Deer Management Assistant Program, and they tell you, look, you need to take more does off of here if you want to increase the quality of your herd, uh, but you don't want to take the deer and waste them, this is a great program. They have designated deer processors. You can find them on the website at h, the number 4, hla.org. You bring it to one of these processors, to, I want to donate this to the Hunters for the Hungry. Uh, they get paid to process it from the organization. They'll remove the best part, the backpack, back strap, and the tenderloins. Now, if you don't want that, well, you can donate that too. But if you do, then you get to take that home. You're not charged a penny for the processing, and the rest of your deer gets donated to the Hunters for the Hungry. It's a great program. It certainly raises the uh, the image of, of hunters in this country by being generous and, and helping the needy. Um, it serves just everybody's a win-win in this whole situation. I'm a big supporter of it. Hunters for the Hungry, and we'll be giving you the locations where you can drop off your food. If you are a rodeo or tournament director and people come in with their fish and they weigh them and then they, they don't want to take them home, they leave them, Get in touch with uh, Julie and tell her to, that your rodeo would like to make a, a contribution to the Hunters for the Hungry and provide them some fish. And believe me, I, I have been through the whole process. I actually went out to the uh, Ozanam Inn, and I, I helped unload uh, some wild game that was brought in from some Safari Club members who had an excess of game and wanted to donate it, and watched it go through the whole stages. They brought it in ice chests. Uh, they processed it out there. They ground it up, 
and they made a delicious chili out of it. And I mean, I mean, this was a huge pot, and it probably fed forty people that day, and they loved it. And the the cooks, the chefs there at the uh, the food bank kitchen told me that they love to get wild game. They said it's one of the easiest and the best tasting. It's high in protein. It's low in cholesterol. It's very healthy, and they love to get it. It's not just deer. They'll take ducks. Uh, they'll take exotic game, uh, small game, rabbit, squirrel, geese, you name it. Fish, any kind of edible fish, they'll be glad to take that too if you happen to get some fish in your freezer. And that's a great concept. You know, around September the 15th, uh, most of the hunting seasons haven't started yet. And if you got some game or fish that's been in there for a while and you just haven't had time to use it and you need to make room for some fresher, donate it to Hunters for the Hungry. They'll put it to, to good use. All right, uh, don't forget, get your, your new license. They all expire on June 30th, but you can purchase your license now and use it. And when you go to purchase your license, there's going to be a little question, a checkbox there, if you want to make a donation to the Hunters for the Hungry. It's while you're buying your license, uh, $2, $5, whatever amount you want to donate, uh, well, certainly every every little bit helps. All right, next week, uh, another show beginning at 5 a.m., dark and early. Oh, Bayou Wild, don't forget, uh, got an airing uh, on uh, Sunday night, uh, 7 o'clock primetime tomorrow night. It'll air tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. on WUPL. And check Cox Sports TV because they've always got some bonus airings uh, all weekend long and also on WBRZ on their plus stations. Uh, We are doing uh, the catfishing show that we did in the Mississippi River where we went out and did the, the noodle lines for the catfish. Very popular show, but you got to be careful because with that river as high as it is in the current, you got to really be careful to pick the right spots where you stay out of that current. And all of that's brought up, and it shows you how to bait it and uh, shows you some of the catfish that you can catch, some beautiful blue cats, uh, a few channel cats, and every now and then you catch one of those big uh, flathead or goujon, they call them. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, have a happy Father's Day. Spend some time with Dad. Take him fishing. Take him hunting. Um, <laughs> Ray Ray from Lacombe. He says, just six more weeks till Alaska, baby. He can't wait. And I can't either, Ray. I'm ready to get out of some of this heat and go have some of that frosty fun up there. All right. Enjoy your Father's Day weekend. Uh, spend some time with Dad if you can. Remember, if he took you fishing and hunting, maybe you want to do some payback. Time to take him hunting or fishing. We'll see you next week with another edition of More Outdoors on WWL. HD 102, 105.3 FM. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.